2: On News Radio 680
3: WPTF.
1: And I'm Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner.
3: And I'm Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. And we're here to answer your questions for the next hour. So Doug, Linda, you know, now is a good time to about think about refreshing your retirement strategy. Fewer than half of all investors have tried to calculate how much they'll need in retirement. However, those who have taken the time to do so are more confident about their prospects.
1: Yeah. I would say if you're currently investing in your employer's retirement plan, then you recognize the value of putting money aside for your future. And that's a great start. But are you investing enough? Do you know how much you're going to need? That's a different set of questions. And you you need
3: to set specific retirement goals. How would you like your retirement to look like? The answer will impact how much you need to invest. By setting specific goals, you'll have a better idea of what it will take to retire in the way that you'd like, and then you'll be able to move forward more confidently.
1: Yeah, this means knowing what it's going to cost. Knowing what your living expenses are so that you'll know how much you'll need to be accumulated to pay for those living expenses. In other words, not only do you need investment planning, you need cash flow planning advice. One of the things that we at Lewis Financial Management are very strong in, cash flow planning advice. So call us at Lewis Financial Management this week. As a matter of fact, we'll have a face-to-face meeting with you if you call our offices, 919 872-7000 872 that's 919-872-7000 you
3: know you need to consider increasing contributions to both retirement plans and your personal investing how do you how do your estimated withdrawals compare with your desired income in retirement if it's less don't be discouraged you can set short-term investment goals to close the gap over time Gradually, increasing your investing can make it easier to pursue your long-term retirement goals.
1: Yeah, and you not only do you need to look at it from that view, but you also need to look at your investment allocations. So in addition to how much you're saving, it's a good idea to review your investment allocations at least a couple of times a year. At Lewis Financial Management, all of our clients are have them reviewed quarterly and then you have to ask questions. Are your investments aligned with your retirement goals? If not, you may need to adjust your investment mix. Isn't that
2: a, that's a very, uh, important issue with regard to people's investing and portfolios, isn't it? Because a lot of folks, um, may have taken the time initially to do an allocation, but because people are busy, They don't always revisit.
1: You know, Linda, you're very right, because I remember, I think it was last week, we had a client that had come to see us, oh, I think it was three, four years ago. That's right. And we did an investment asset allocation. We got their investment set up and everything. But for whatever reason, they didn't come back until a couple weeks ago. And when I looked at their investment allocation, they were in a high-yield bond fund, which at the time was perfect for them. Right. But if they had been coming back on a regular basis, I would have had them out of that fund long ago. And you're exactly right. You need to continue to look at your asset allocations because things that were right yesterday may be wrong tomorrow.
2: Very good. And once you're happy with your investment strategy, you may want to make sure that your original allocations remain the same so it's important to consider rebalancing your portfolio when your fund allocations have changed more than five to ten percent rebalancing helps keep your mix of investments on
3: track toward meeting your financial goals and you know the most important part is going to be you need to meet with a CFP planning for retirement can feel overwhelming at times. Many don't feel comfortable or don't have the time to put together their own investment mix. Fortunately, you don't have to do this alone. We are both CFPs. My father and I are both certified financial planners. So call Doug Lewis or Deborah Lewis at Lewis financial management. We can evaluate your personal situation objectively and help you set realistic financial goals. We can assess your progress periodically or fine-tune your investment mix over time as you get closer to your goal. If you want to call us during the week to set up an appointment for yourself, give me a call at 919-872-7000 and we will get started. We'll make a list of the questions that are on your mind. Well, Doug, um,
2: there are some folks out there that have called and that have had um, comments about... Why or why not annuities as part of sound financial planning?
1: What do you think about that? An annuity is not an investment, first of all. So when we talk about an investment portfolio, an annuity has no place in an asset allocation of an investment portfolio. An annuity legally is an insurance contract. And if you think about it, when you have insurance on your automobile it's an insurance contract and you hope that you lose that money the money you pay the insurance company you really hope that you lose you don't want to have a car accident and say gi won, they paid me a lot of money so that's an insurance contract insurance contracts are what we call risk transfer and they're designed to make money for the insurance company so we don't want an annuity. An annuity is not an investment. An annuity is an insurance contract designed to make money for insurance companies. Now, when we understand that, we can come to some other places where there might be a specific risk where you'd want to cover just that very risk by what's called an immediate annuity. But that's very rare. Though I, I haven't had many of those in the years that we've met with people. I mean, the, the transfer of that risk that you might outlive
3: your money can be thwarted in so many other ways that sometimes the confusion is spoken as if it's a fact. Oh, an annuity is an investment. Well, an annuity isn't an investment.
1: That's right. That, that makes me so upset when I hear on the radio and on television now people talking about annuities as investments. They're not investments.
3: Right. They're a rapper that may or may not hold investment products inside of it. But
1: they're insurance wrappers. And they
3: are insurance contracts. and You that, have a relationship with an insurance company.
1: That's exactly what they are. They're, they're insurance contracts. That annuity contract that you get when you buy the annuity, you look at it and you'll see all the way through, it's an insurance product.
3: So if that's your question tonight... In regard to annuities, whether or not they fit into your world, give us a call during the week at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Well, Linda, Doug, it looks like we have another caller. Lucy, you're on the line with Doug and Linda and Deborah Lewis. How can we help you?
4: Hi. Um. So this is my first time being employed on my own without my parents and, you know, to help me along.
2: Okay. Um, Congratulations. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you. Um, and I'm a college student, so I got a job working online. Um, and they report all of my earnings, but they don't withhold anything for taxes. And I was wondering how I might handle that, because I don't, I don't want to be like, bad and not pay taxes or something
3: like that. Well, them not withholding doesn't mean that you're not paying. That just means you'll pay when you get your bill, so to speak, at the end of the year. So that's actually kind of a good thing, because oh. you're probably not in an income level to where there's going to be much of a tax bill.
1: How much is she earning?
4: I made um, I made five thousand this year, and I started working in February. Okay, I think this past year.
1: Okay, and you're yes. gonna and what do you expect this year?
4: I expect roughly the same this year.
1: Okay. Well, you will get, as Deborah said, you will get a ten ninety nine from your employer for last year's wages.
3: Oh. And so that can that at that That's point you, in time, yeah. then you'll then you'll know how much you owe. Now they have to give it to you by the end of January, and then you will have up until the fifteenth of April to come up with that amount. Maybe but,
1: no taxes. But if that's what I'm
3: really. I was thinking you might actually not have any taxes due when you fill out your tax return. It might be that that you won't have any. But um, why is that? Because you might have had a low enough
1: income. Everybody, everybody doesn't pay taxes in the United States. Only people who are above a certain income level have to pay taxes.
4: I see, and I'm definitely below that. I'm sure.
1: Uh, the nice thing, though, about where you are at is you may qualify to put that into an IRA. The thing you
4: were just talking about. That's correct. That's
1: exactly right. An IRA uh, for a person 22 years old becomes an incredibly powerful place to park money tax-free until you are... Either 60 or 70 years old, it can grow and never be taxed until you're... Exponentially. I mean, you can have a huge power. And they limit you, though, to either, I think it's $5,000 or 100% of your income, whichever is the lesser, I think. That's right. Yeah, she might be, wow, that'd be really great. That would be great. That sounds neat.
3: yes. Um, well, do, you know, if you, will, if you have any questions... Wait, um, where did she go to school? Where do
4: you, um, East Carolina University. Go Ooh, Pirates. Oh,
2: wonderful.
4: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
5: we'll, um, go ahead. So
4: when you say 100% of my income, does that mean, like, everything I, have to, everything I earn, I have to apply to the IRA?
1: You don't have to do anything. It's a privilege. In That's other an words, option. In other words, if you want to somehow start accumulating for the future then you're looking for a place you can put money that isn't taxed as time goes on. I see. So let's say you wanted to buy a mutual fund. You could on your own take your $5,000 and buy a mutual fund on your own, but then every year you'll pay tax on the dividends that it earns or on the capital gains. If you could get that $5,000 into an IRA, then you will not pay taxes until you are 70 years old. So, yeah, so that means money growing on top of money in a tax free environment.
2: And and so basically, you have two portfolios. You have a personal portfolio, but what we're talking about is a retirement or a a qualified portfolio. That would
4: make me a very happy.
3: That's right. That's right. I think well, your parents if you'd would like, be yeah, happy. very <laughs> proud of you. <laughs> well, if you'd like to call the office, um, our number in Raleigh is 919-872-7000. And I'd be more than happy to answer any questions, you know, as you uh, keep on going through college and this job. Congratulations.
2: Thank you very much.
3: You're welcome. No, very helpful. All, All right. right. Have a good night.
4: You too.
2: Thank you for calling, Lucy. And uh, to any of our listeners out there. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug and Linda Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF. Well, Doug, Deborah, what else is new for the folks are cons- that are considering
3: retiring? Well, if you are considering retiring, now what? Do you have enough money saved to retire comfortably? Which discounts should you tap into first? And what should you do with your investments after you retire? This was all in an article by Matthew Frankel. I thought it was really interesting. I would say the first thing you'll need to do is work with a certified financial planner to answer these and other questions.
1: If you've been responsibly saving for your retirement over the years, when, congratulations. However, while successfully building this nest egg is quite an accomplishment, remember that what you do after you retire can be just as crucial to your long-term financial health as what you did to prepare for your retirement. In other words, after you retire, you need to have a plan.
3: Yeah, if you're getting close to retirement, now is a good time to evaluate your situation and figure out how much income you'll need after retirement. Start coming up with a post-retirement budget in order to get a more accurate idea of your income needs. So do some number crunching and see how much you'll need. Begin with what you currently spend. Know your living expenses. These can be things you pay on a monthly basis or a non-monthly basis.
1: Yeah, and now is also a good time to go to the Social Security Administration's website and estimate how much income you can expect to receive from Social Security. You then subtract this amount from your estimated income need, along with any income you'll have from a pension or other sources, and you'll now have an estimate of how much income will need to come from your investments, your 401ks, your IRAs, and your personal investment portfolio.
3: Now you'll need to know what size of investment portfolio can produce that income. When, when we meet with you, we can help you do that. You're listening to Money Matters with Lewis's at Lewis Financial Management
2: on News Radio 680 WPTF. Call us to schedule an appointment at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000.
1: One common mistake that retirees and pre-retirees make is getting far too conservative with their investments. Specifically, many people aim to reduce risk by moving out of stocks, and into bond investments. Now, while it's true that bonds produce a steady, predictable stream of income, there are a few problems with this approach.
3: First of all, investing all your money in bonds virtually guarantees that your portfolio won't keep up with inflation. If you have a million dollar portfolio and invest it all in 30 year treasuries, well, In 30 years, your investments will be worth $1 million. So your income needs will rise as your cost of living gets more expensive. But your income will stay the same. So you won't have any more assets with which to generate additional income.
1: You know, this is what I call going broke safely. Hmm. The need gets higher and higher. And the amount that you've got to cover that need stays the same because you think you're safe. And you just eventually have to start reducing your lifestyle. Now, secondly, bond prices can fall dramatically as interest rates rise. And the long-dated bonds that pay the highest interest, they get clobbered the most. The value of a bond is based on the interest rate it pays. That's called the coupon rate. And that's relative to the prevailing market rates. Now, I realize that retirees generally don't plan to sell bonds anytime soon. But if you get in a bind and you need to free up some cash, bonds are the last place you want all of your money to be.
2: I remember we had one uh, listener that came and, oh, my gosh, he had all of his eggs in one basket, all in muni bonds. <laughs> That's right. It was
3: several million dollars of muni bonds. That was just a couple of years ago. Yeah, and I think he's probably lost a lot of
1: money. That's true. That's market. so sad because people don't understand. They think things are safe when they're not safe. Sometimes the safest things are the riskiest, and they have no idea until after it's happened.
3: Now, you'll need to use some strategy with your withdrawals. When you meet with us, we will develop a customized plan. Many retirees have several different account types, such as 401Ks, IRAs, whether it be traditional or Roth, and regular brokerage or savings accounts. And the order you tap into those once you do decide to retire can make a big difference. Now, coming up with a financial plan for your retired life is a great first step, but it's important to reevaluate things every so, ever so often. In other words, the best thing you can incorporate into your retirement planning is adaptability. Life happens. So it's best to be prepared to adjust your strategy accordingly. Having someone there through it all is what's best. So give us a call. Call us. Call me. Call Deborah Lewis at Lewis Financial Management. Our number during the week is 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000.
2: Well, Doug, um, you know, financial planning is very important at any stage of life. And, you know, once folks graduate from college or graduate from high school and look for their first jobs, then they start Spending because they've got to pay for rent or pay for a mortgage or pay for, you know, pay down their college debt, etc., etc. But at various stages, financial planning is so important because number one, you can create your financial future, and number two, you can set realistic goals. That will help you at these various stages of your life. And number three, you can put them into action with the help of a certified financial planner that can help you sort out what are your goals, what are
3: your objectives, and what are your needs at these various stages of life. If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com. Well, Doug, um,
2: there are 10 wise financial planning moves for millennials.
1: Yeah, we never saw millennial, well, they weren't called millennials back when we opened up our radio show in 19... 19- was 90. It, 1990. Uh, most of our listeners and most of the folks that came to us for financial planning in those days uh, were much older. They were in their forties and fifties, pre-retirement and so forth. Uh, but now we're seeing uh, this group of twenty-year-olds and thirty-year-olds, and there are things. And I'm really happy that they that they have something that nobody else has on their side. They've got time. The beginning, the first thing to do. For a millennial, it was get a handle on your income and your expenses. That's the first thing, of course. Uh, And once you've gotten those, and of course, we help you with that. That's what we do. We go through uh, just that. We go through the very um, uh, move of getting a handle on your income and your expenses. And then the second thing is to get goals, to set the goals uh, and start saving toward them whether it's funding uh, for a car, a vacation, a home, a grad school education. That's the second thing. Uh, You don't want to go blind. You don't want to just uh, be going at it blind and and not knowing what's happening to your income as you're earning it, which means the third thing is you need to be a well-educated investor.
2: And you need to work with a certified financial planner who will teach you. And not just sell you a product. History tells us that one of the best ways to grow your money and increase your net worth is by building a diversified investment portfolio of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, etc. And the earlier you start, the more time your money has to grow. So yeah,
1: you're- that, yeah, you're right, Linda. That matter of working with a certified financial planner who will teach you, who will spend time educating you, so that you are an informed investor, then time can do its job of helping you accumulate to become what we call a middle-class millionaire.
2: Now, the fourth wise financial planning move is to put money in your emergency fund. So you want to keep three to six months worth of expenses in a money market account or savings account to cover those unexpected uh, expenses and maintain financial flexibility, whether it's to pay a medical expense to fill the void if you've lost a job, maternity leave, or to fund a move across
1: country. That's number four. Number five would be try to take some steps to reduce debt. Student loans, car loans, credit card balances. Uh, your your debt can quickly become problematic, resulting in a lower credit score, which reduces borrowing power, mounting interest, and it, it cascades. So at least commit to having a plan on how to pay down
3: If you'd like further information, call us at 919-872-7000 or go to our website, DougAndLinda.com. That's DougAndLinda.com.
2: And number six, be shrewd about which credit cards you use. Um, And while it's wise to minimize the debt that you are going to incur, credit cards can work for you by supplying additional purchasing power along with the perks, such as rewards or reward points or miles towards travel. Now, number seven is it's important to investigate life insurance. How much life insurance do you need?
1: Yeah, we're back to the question of life insurance. First of all, what we talked about before about uh, the LERPs, the Life Insurance Retirement Plans. That's what they call cash value life insurance or whole life insurance, where you're actually giving the insurance company much more money than you need to so that as you get older and older, they'll use part of that excess to pay your true insurance cost. I don't like that at all. I think you should buy the cheapest insurance you can, which is term insurance, and then only have it to cover what your need is until you are financially independent and able to self-insure yourself. So let's say that you're a young married couple in your late 20s, early 30s. You're working. Your wife is working. You've got a young child and everything. Okay, we need to work the numbers to see when you will be able to no longer need insurance. And then we'll get a term policy, maybe a 10-year or a 20-year, or now you can even get a 25-year level term policies, which are much, much cheaper. And then, uh, But the bottom line principle is, she, yes, get insurance, quantify how much you need with the help of someone like myself, a certified financial planner, and make it term insurance. Now,
2: the eighth wise financial planning move for millennials is start saving for retirement. As distant as retirement may seem, setting aside even a small amount each month in some kind of of retirement savings vehicle, be it your employer's 401k, a traditional IRA, or a Roth IRA, or a pension, it can make a huge difference in your ability to retire on your own terms and to live comfortably once you do. So, the earlier you start saving for retirement, the better chance you'll have to call your own shots financially later in life.
1: Yeah, and of course, always keep focused on education. Get yourself educated. Understand Everything about financial planning, a little research goes a long ways, and that's what our clients have told us through all these years. They always say, boy, I just feel like I've learned so much during this session. I just feel like I'm getting educated every time I meet. I feel like I'm back in college again. Well, that's the joy we have of educating and sharing our knowledge with you so that you can achieve your financial independence.
2: And the 10th wise decision is get a financial plan. Work with a certified financial planner that can assist you for a minimal investment of your time and your money. It's worth finding a certified financial planner to answer your financial questions, to provide a formal financial plan to get you where you want to go in life. A certified financial planner professional is a person who is trained specifically to look out for your best financial interests and to offer recommendations based on an analysis of your personal financial situation. So... Thank you for joining us on Money Matters. And call us at Lewis Financial Management during the week at 919-872-7000. That's 919-USA-7000.
1: We haven't mentioned our website tonight.
2: That is DougAndLinda.com.
1: DougAndLinda.com. We have videos of ourselves and audios. So go to our website. One of the questions that I know people ask you a lot when they come to see you is, what about target date funds? Are target date funds, are they right for me because they're in my 401k?
3: You know, you're right. This comes up frequently. And, you know, if there's anything, I'd say there's no, there's there's so few reasons target date funds um are are right for anyone. And a matter of fact, I'd say they're not right for anyone. And you must be thinking, well, (laughs) they've got to be right for someone. The answer is they're not right for anyone because they try to fit everyone during many years, some as many as 40 years.
1: Yeah, assets in target date funds have swelled to more than $880 billion in 2016, according to Morningstar. And that's a number that's high enough to scare me. So why am I so much against target date funds? I would say three main reasons. And the first reason is bonds are not a sure thing for retirees. The first problem with target date funds is they're trying to predict the future by saying, when you retire, it's a good idea to have most of your assets in bonds and not stocks. Well, we're currently at the end of a long bull market in bonds. And if your target date is close your performance is going to suffer as bonds decline and interest rates rise just when retirement is around the corner and your account is then going to take a big hit.
3: Target aid funds are meant to become more conservative as you get closer to retirement because bonds are supposed to be less risky than stocks. While that's often true, any advisor with 30 years of experience would know this has not always been the case. Based on history... Interest rates go up and down, and the cycle may be long sometimes, but nothing stays the same forever.
1: So, yeah. That, yeah, so that's the first reason that I don't think target date funds are right for anybody. The second thing is that there are multiple, multiple fees inside these target date funds. The management of these fees, of these funds rather, and their fees is can be outrageous. So I really, when I've looked at them, I really have a problem with that.
3: You know, another reason target date funds aren't right for for um, most people is they do an educational disservice to investors. Finally, the product's oversimplification can result in a lack of education for investors about risk tolerance. Understanding your capacity for risk is important, and it comes through good investment education. A broker may ask you what your tolerance for risk is. If you don't understand how stocks work and fear the unknown, you tell the broker you have a low tolerance despite being only 45 years old. Then you get steered toward low risk, low reward investments, which may not be the best for someone with plenty of time until retirement. And we've seen this in our office. That's right. You know,
1: people coming in with the wrong advice. That's right. And 70-year-olds should not have the same amount of of their investments in stocks as 45-year-olds, they should have more money in shorter-term investments, maybe CDs in money markets, which are available on short-term notice for medical emergencies and other short-term needs. But this doesn't mean they should have nothing in stocks or even they shouldn't have just a very small amount because today, 70-year-olds have a very good chance of living well into their 90s. In the U.S., there are about 72,000 centenarians, and that number is expected to more than double in the next four years. So even at 70, one could easily have another 15 to 30 years to live.
3: You know, life changes as time passes. It's the same with your retirement plans. If you want to have a good retirement, you need to spend the time necessary to understand your portfolio. Call me, Deborah Lewis, certified financial planner at Lewis Financial Management. And let's talk about your investments, and if they contain target dates, we'll discuss why they are or are not appropriate for you. You're listening to
2: Money Matters with the Lewises of Lewis Financial Management in Midtown Raleigh. Call us with your questions, and we'd love to set an appointment with you. We can review your personal financial planning. That number to call is 919 That's 919-USA-7000. And visit our website at
1: DougAndLinda.com. Hi, Brenda. This is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you?
5: Uh, thank you for taking my call. You're welcome. Um, last year, I, was, uh, I lost my job, and I Aww. took money out of my 401K, mm-hmm. and I rolled the rest of it over. That was left in the, in the four hundred one uh, that I had from the previous job.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, How much was that that you rolled over, Brenda? Uh,
5: it should have been like twenty five thousand. Okay. Well, I got a statement from the financial, uh, is Fidelity actually? Uh-huh. I got a statement in the mail for my tax for tax purposes. Yeah. And I've got two of them. One for the amount that I took out. Right. And one for the original amount, and it looks to me like they're saying that I took it all out personally, and I don't understand it.
1: Unfortunately, I'm not looking at the statement that you're looking at to explain it to you. Uh, okay. But uh, you're absolutely right. You, you say you did the rollover, correct?
5: Yes. I did. A- and the you rolled
1: over $25,000, correct?
5: No, I rolled over, it was like 47000
1: Oh, you rolled 47000 over. Right. All right. What was the twenty-five thousand you mentioned to Linda?
5: Well, I, I'm sorry. I took twenty-three out.
1: All right. Let's start all over again. I don't care what you took out. What did you roll over to the IRA?
5: Forty-seven.
1: Okay. And then, in addition to that, before you took it, before you did the rollover, you took out twenty-five thousand.
5: I took it out after I rolled it over.
1: Oh, you took it out from the IRA. Yes. Okay. So you rolled the whole forty-seven thousand over to an IRA. And then you took out twenty five thousand, uh, twenty three thousand afterwards. So now left in your IRA is twenty four thousand. Is that right? It, yes. Okay. Um, I I'd have to look at the statement to see what it is you're looking at. So you're going to have to pay tax on that twenty five or twenty three thousand. Yes, for sure.
5: Right.
1: That I you've got to pay tax on. And are you are you over or under fifty nine? I'm um, fifty eight. All right. So you'll also pay. So you're going to pay that. North Carolina tax, I uh, federal tax plus a ten percent penalty tax. Right. Right. So that's probably going to be about half of the twenty five. You'll probably have about twelve thousand dollars in taxes on that. The balance. Who's the custodian of the of the rollover IRA? You said Fidelity.
5: Fidelity.
1: Yeah. Well, you better go and give them a call and ask them for a little help in reading the statement because you're now in. It's now in an IRA, so obviously uh, you may be looking at a statement where they simply reported to the Internal Revenue Service what happened. And you may have nothing to fear, but uh, you'll only know who does your taxes. Do you do them yourself?
5: No, uh, H&R Block.
1: Okay, Well, when you go to H&R Block, then you take the statements with you, and they'll tell you whether you're reading them right or not. Okay. But you're exactly right. You don't pay tax on the amount that rolled over that stayed in there. You do pay tax on what came out of the IRA.
5: Okay. Mm-hmm. That, that, I knew that I was going to pay tax on that. They explained all of that. I just didn't understand what the other statement for the full amount.
1: It is probably a statement that they report to the IRS how much was rolled over because they are required, the 401k custodian is required to report to the IRS how much was rolled over and send you a copy. But that may be what you're looking at. Okay. All right, Brenda, thank you for calling. Thank you. All right. And to our listeners, don't forget our website, dot com.
2: And Brenda, if you you know have further questions, you can call the office in Raleigh, uh, and we'll be happy to uh, address any other questions that you have at 919 872 that's 919-USA-7000.
3: Well, one of the big topics of discussion that either comes up when I'm talking to people on the phone or meeting with them in our office is retirement planning for women. Now, when we talk about it in a general sense, we all kind of know that retirement moves for women are going to be a lot more complicated if they are singled out as um, as opposed to men. In retirement, women must do more with less, usually. Thanks to a longer life expectancy, the average woman is facing bigger retirement expenses than the average man. And she'll have to cover them with a substantially smaller nest egg and social security benefits. Now, women are often told to save more and be less risk averse in their investments. Yet, what studies show and what I know and what other people who have come in and are talking about their own experience, if they are a woman meeting with me alone, they'll say, well... We're more diligent savers than men, and they, you know, women tend to choose and achieve better returns while taking on less risky portfolios. A lot of this has nothing to really do with gender, other than there's a huge concern because women, if they aren't meeting with a planner, if they aren't hiring, if they aren't concerned about their own financial independence, then they will develop a fear that they will be a bag lady. That that Eventually they'll outlive their money. So we have to address these issues. Women can reduce the risk of outliving their assets by maximizing their social security benefits. They can plan ahead for career breaks, minimizing the financial fallout many women suffer when they take time away from work to care for loved ones. And many could Benefit from finding an advisor who understands their unique challenges. If you don't have a certified financial planner to work with, if you haven't met with a certified financial planner, call me, Deborah Lewis at Lewis Financial Management, 919-872-7000. It might be the most important call that you make this year, 919-872-7000. These challenges that women face can be especially daunting for older women. The average Social Security benefit for women 65 and older is less than 14000 per year, compared with 18000 for men, and women are less likely than men to have guaranteed income from a defined benefit pension plan. Women 65 and older are 80% more likely than men to be living in poverty. That's according to the National Institute on Retirement Security. So, yes, you need to find a trusted advisor. Many women have or have no advisor at all. Only one out of five women feels, this survey quoted, that the financial services industry really understands her needs. And among some of those polled concerns were that advisors cost too much or use too much jargon. And it's not always clear that they're looking out for the client's best interest. So if these are some of the fears that you've been having or holding on to or wondering who to meet with so that uh, you wouldn't be bombarded with business or finance jargon and walk away not feeling like you learned anything new about how to control your own finances, call me at Lewis Financial Management. Much of what we often talk to in regard to women and financial planning is is that you need a way to tame these risks. And a big way to tame these risks is to calculate the gap between your basic living expenses and your guaranteed sources of income, including Social Security and pensions. Once you have a financial plan with real projected results and goals to be attained, this will help you feel secure that you will work That you won't outlive your money, uh, that all of your hard work, putting in, saving, taking care of your family, that at the end that you'll be able to support yourself. So while there's a lot of information out there geared towards women alone, I would add to the, the study that most of the couples who come into our office and have worked with us for years or decades also verbalize That what he usually wants to be sure of is that when he passes away, that she's not alone. That she has someone that has worked with the family, with them, over many years, so that financial planning is something that continues and isn't something she has to learn when he passes away. And it's not something she has to be afraid of. When things are in order, we all feel a little bit better. You're listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Call to make an appointment with Deborah Lewis, Certified Financial Planner of Lewis Financial Management. Call 919-872-7000 or visit our website, dougandlinda.com. Well, there are a lot of questions that get written in. Here are a few. What are the RMD rules for Roth 401ks? The writer says, I turned 70 and a half this year and was just told that I must take a distribution from the Roth 401k I have with my former employer. I thought Roth accounts were not saddled with RMDs. What's going on? Well, while the original owner of a Roth IRA is never required to take distributions, the required minimum distribution rules do apply to Roth 401k accounts. Basically, that means withdrawals based on IRS life expectancy tables must begin in the year you reach age 70 and a half. This is true even though, in most cases, the payouts will be tax-free. That's if fewer than four calendar years have passed since the year you made your first contribution to the Roth 401k, though. Part of the payout will be taxed as non-qualified earnings. And you must pay a distribution for this year based on the balance of the account at the end of 2015. So yes, when dealing with a Roth 401k, you do need to make a required minimum distribution. And if you need advice, call me during the week, 919-872-7000, 919-872-7000. And we'll talk about your Roth 401k.
1: Bill, this is Doug Lewis, Certified Financial Planner. How can I help you this evening?
6: Yes, sir. I have a question regarding charitable trust. Yes, sir. Can you transfer annuity into a charitable trust?
1: Uh, No, an annuity, uh, you you wouldn't transfer it into it. I mean, well, all right, let me back up for a second. Has the annuity been annuitized?
6: Uh, Yes, it's a 10-year.
1: All right, once you've annuitized it, then you cannot transfer it into a charitable trust. However... Uh, if an annuity has not been trans- has not been uh, annuitized, then it is possible to go ahead and do so. Uh, it's not the best move. Many a time we use the, what's called the NIMCRUT as a strategy where we use the net income with a makeup provision. And in the old days, when we did these back in the 80s and the 90s, we would actually use annuities inside of charitable trust. Right now, they're not that... Uh, that popular tell me a little bit about yourself um bill how old are you 80 80 years old and tell me uh, are you married or, or a single
6: no i am married my wife is 76
1: all right tell me about your uh, are you uh, of course you're both retired right yes sir all right what do your assets look like what uh what, what investments do you have that are not in in retirement plans
6: oh about half a million
1: and what is it what are they invested in
6: well, we have annuity and some tax, stocks.
1: All right. Now, the individual stocks—do they have much gains to them?
6: Uh reasonable. So,
1: all right. Do you have any uh, retirement uh, investments in IRAs or four uh, hundred and one ks or any retirement plans? No, no. All right. Do you have any uh, any land or appreciated uh, uh, properties? But well, we have a house. No, not your residence. About
6: half a million.
1: No, no, not the house would not be a, a something you would consider. Uh, how about children? Do you have children that you're uh, interested in leaving your estate to?
6: Yes, we have three children and six grandkids.
1: One of the things now on the annuity, how much is the annuity worth? Do you think?
6: Uh three hundred thousand.
1: And when you say it's already annuitized, what, what exactly are you? You're already. You've. Do you understand the difference between annuitizing and taking withdrawals?
6: But what, what does that mean, annuitized?
1: An annuit, when you annuitize an annuity, you're you are you're making an irreversible move that you can never change that says, I'm going to get a check for the rest of my life, and when I die, the insurance company keeps everything.
6: No, we have it for 10 years.
1: When you say we have it for 10 years, uh, help me understand what you mean when you say you have it for 10 years.
6: But we sign it for 10 years.
1: And then at the end of 10 years, the insurance company keeps everything?
6: No, 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 we we get everything back, yeah,
1: okay, then you it doesn't sound to me like you have annuitized by the way, Jim, uh bill, write down my office number nine one nine eight seven two seven zero zero zero, okay, and i uh, I think it might be wise for you to come in for a consultation, you and your wife, i uh, if you have not annuitized, then there's some very wise moves you can make i uh, that you should be making, uh, you your portfolio, we don't like annuities usually uh, yeah. be- because they are, so often there's so many fees inside that are going to the insurance company that you can achieve your objectives in a much better way. On the other hand, I'd be very happy to look at your annuity and to tell you what options you can take. The best news is if you have not annuitized uh, that three hundred. Yeah, bout- well,
3: by just making a withdrawal, it doesn't sound like, Bill, that you have actually annuitized. And when you add to that the feature that you'll be able to get it back, that might be very uh, hopeful or positive that we could do some real planning around that. If you need help, call me, Deborah Lewis, 919 872 7000. 919 872 7000. Well, what sources of income do you have,
2: Bill?
6: Well, social security. I, I have pension, couple of pension. My wife gets a couple of pension. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we get it some from the annuity every month.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, so he's over 70 and, and a half, so he must be an RMD from the annuity. Security.
2: And yeah. you get Social Security as well.
1: Yeah.
6: Well, our income is around 70000 a year now.
1: Okay. And do you know it's what your expenses are?
6: 50% of what we used to make,
1: yeah. So about how much are your expenses on an annual basis now?
6: Oh, around maybe 40.
1: 40,000, yeah. and then on top of that is taxes. So uh, it sounds like you could use financial planning. It really does. We might be able to... Um... To show you some things that you can do that you have not considered.
6: But well, okay, sir. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, but the annuity itself, the reason that you give something to a charitable trust is because you're looking for a way to sell it and not pay the tax on the gain. Yes, yes. And uh, and
3: the one big drawback would be you disinherit children.
1: Right. What so, goes into a charitable trust cannot go out to the children.
6: Or oh, they cannot.
1: Never. No. There are, okay. actually, yeah, there are actually six players to a charitable trust. There is the donor. That's the person who g- sets up the trust and gives what he wants to give into the trust. And then the second person is the trustee. Yes. Now, we like to have you as your own trustee. Yes. The third person is the income beneficiary who receives the income from the charitable trust. Which would be us. Yes. That's right. Yes. But the fourth party is the charity. The charity gets everything that's left in that charitable trust at now, the time.
6: What would be the maximum that we could get from the charitable trust?
1: There's a formula that I have to use inside my office with software, but there is what's the minimum that you can take from a charitable trust is 5%. The maximum is 50%. And there's a formula that sets it. And once you have set it, it can never be changed. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Generally, we like to take... I've done them. I've done many, many of these through the years. Uh, I have done them as high as 12%. Yeah. And I've taken them as low as 5%. You get the bigger tax deduction, the lower the payout percentage.
3: But two things to think about, Bill, would be first, you have to have something that is either appreciated in value and you don't want to pay the capital gains tax on it.
1: He's thinking the annuity.
3: And if it's the annuity, then. I don't know if this would be possible, but you can do life, maybe uh, 20 years, yes, go into the children's the, level. It gets complicated, you, but can be very quickly simplified. Um,
1: what, I f- yeah, what Deborah's saying is that when we have a client who's in their 80s or 80 years old or 70s, then the period of the trust that we set up, we generally think it should go longer than just for life because there's, you, can, you can go as long as 20 years uh-huh. before the charity gets anything. And that gives income all the way past the first generation's death to the second generation, and then goes to the charity. And what we like to do, we like the charity to be a family foundation.
6: Well, we're t- thinking about the church.
1: And the church is an excellent option. Uh, there are ways to make it a foundation that pays the church forever, or there are ways to make it lump sum, Uh are yes, you wanting
3: you would, to are you wanting to increase the monthly income for you and your wife? Not
6: necessarily. No. We we are comfortable the way we are now.
1: Then you would want the largest tax deduction. Basically. Yes. The, the largest tax deduction is on the lower payout. So you set a five percent payout. The IRS will not let you go below five percent. But if you uh, set a five percent payout and you give three hundred thousand to the charitable trust, you could probably get something as close to uh, maybe seventy, eighty thousand uh, dollars of of deduction. On three hundred, yeah. Yeah. What did you? How much was the investment in the in the annuity?
6: Well, a little over uh, three hundred.
1: But that's how much you invested. Yes. Okay. When did you buy it?
6: Two years ago.
1: Okay, so it hasn't got a lot of appreciation. Uh, now, well,
6: I, uh, about eight percent.
1: Okay. No, I would. Uh, yeah, I would love to meet with you, Bill. I think that if you go ahead and call my office, I'll be happy to schedule a meeting to meet with you and go over all aspects of your financial plan, including your estate and your taxes.
6: Sir, thank you very much for your advice.
1: Thank
3: you for calling.
2: Have a wonderful week, Bill. Remember, your financial future is at stake.
0: been listening to Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis. Money Matters provides you with a personal financial hotline on any subject where money really matters. For more information, you can call Doug, Linda, or Deborah in Raleigh at 919-872-7000. That's 919-872-7000. Or go to DougAndLinda.com and listen again next Sunday at 6 p.m. for more Money Matters with Doug, Linda, and Deborah Lewis on News Radio 680 WPTF.